makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Open prison doors, set the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. You guys know that? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opened prison's door, set the captives free. And I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And so, Lord, we thank you that there is a river that flows from us. And, Lord, that river is your presence, that river is your spirit. And, God, I thank you that you are present. And even though you are already here, God, we invite you all the more. We say more, Lord. We say, come, Holy Spirit, rest upon us. Speak to us. Empower us. Challenge us. Change us. Transform us. God, we yield our lives to you. Will you make much of it? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, great morning. Y'all all right? Yeah, you, you look good. How do you feel bunched up together like that? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's good stuff. Good. And I, I just want to reiterate, when you guys come in, if you can help us out, by, when you come in, just come into the middle as much as possible. Because people come in looking for seats, and they can't tell because you're lifting your hands up to Jesus. They can't see where to go. So if you slide in as much as possible, that would be phenomenal. All right, thank you. I was just waiting. All right. Well, this morning, uh, actually, uh, my name is Norflet, and somebody told me I was the pastor of discipline. But they meant discipleship. He just didn't have his glasses on. So anyway. Anyway, uh, this morning we're going to continue our series on the essentials. You know, what are the elements that are essential for us to grow? How does one grow spiritually? If I'm Joe Grow, what practices are necessary for Joe to grow in Christ? And uh, my pastor used to say this all the time. He says, one of the challenges is many people grow up in church but never grow up in Christ, right? And they got the church 20 years ago, and they still act the same way because they never grew up into him. And uh, so the essentials is to kind of help us grow into Christ. And uh, Doug began the series in week one, and he named all the essentials. He talked about gather, connect, serve, devotion, influence, and generosity. And in week one, Doug, he keyed in on the value of hearing and obeying. He talked about the man or the woman who hears and, and obeys is like the wise builder who builds his house on a solid foundation so that when the storms come, and guess what? The storms are going to come. The house will be able to withstand the storm because they have built on a solid foundation of hearing and obeying. This past week, Doug taught on devotion, and he asked the question, what is a fully devoted heart? Sometimes we think devotion, and we think about devotionals, but we're not talking about just devotionals. We're talking about a heart that is loyal to God. And he answered the question that a heart that is fully devoted is a heart that is in motion toward God while being transformed, while changing. He says, how do we do that? We do this by seeking God uh, and his, the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and making that our priority. In other words, we seek God first. And here's the blessing of it, y'all. 
is that there is a blessing that remains for those who are fully devoted to him. It's 2 Chronicles 6, 16 verse 9. It says, God shows himself strong on behalf of, uh, of those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. So how many of you need God to show himself strong on your behalf? Oh, just a few of you. Well, I need God to show himself strong on my behalf. Just having kids. God, will you show yourself strong on my behalf? But here's one truth about growing, even when you think about the essentials. Growth doesn't happen by accident. It's not an arbitrary affair. There must be some intentional partnership with God for our spiritual growth. We must intentionally partner with God in order for us to grow. I mean, think about it. Even in natural growth, you got to do something to make sure you grow healthy. You got to eat right. You got to sleep right. Even in your physical, I mean, if you, if you take the, the average all-star athlete, if, if they want to be a superstar, they say, you know, in order to grow physically correctly, I've got to make sure I have the right inputs. Right? There's intentionality there. And so our spiritual growth is our partnership with the Spirit of God. And so as Doug talked about devotion, I want you to understand that devotion is our inward connecting upward. It's our inward connecting upward, and it must be intentional. But the upward connection is only part of the equation. There's also an inward to outward connection. And the outward connection, there must be intentionality too. Now you may have guessed it, the outward connection is our connection with people. Right? So God didn't just design you so that you would connect upward, God designed you so that you would connect outward. So today, the essential that we're going to look at is to connect. And so I want to define it for you, for our purposes. Connect, it, it's a verb, so you, there's an action that you have to do, it, right? You just don't connect by accident. There is an action. And he says, uh, it, it's to bring together or in contact so that a real or notional link is established. Now, for our purposes, there is no notional link. There is no imaginary link. It's not uh, connecting in theory. It's, it's really connecting with people, uh, allowing them to be a part of your life. Uh, another uh, definition is to join together so as to provide access and communication. Can you imagine that? That God joins us together so that we can provide access to one another. You have access into my life. I have access into your life. And that conversation or communication actually happens. In other words, there's no communicate or there's no connecting if there's not been an exchange. There's no connection if there has not been any communication. If you have not dialogue, there, there's not a sender and a receiver. And the last thing they talked about that connection is to link to a power or a water supply. And this is not a, uh, a notional or imaginative idea either. It's the truth that God intends that we are to link to one another's power source. All right? That God intends that the river of life that's in you flows to me, and the river of life that's in me flows to you. And so we all are abundantly supplied. 
See, what happens is, is when there is no connection to the power source or to a water supply, anybody got dead relationships? You don't know, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. You ever been around a person that just drains you? Why? Because somebody's not connecting to the power source. Somebody's not drinking from the well of life. Amen, brother pastor. Can you keep it moving? You're talking about my neighbor. So connection is the link between the inward, upward, and outward. From our upward, we are empowered inwardly, and we are to express that power outwardly. Maybe another way of saying that is, our connection to God empowers our connection to people. As we link together, there should be a power exchange. The activity of God in me should exchange with the activity of the Holy Spirit in you. One of the ways that I think about this, when I think about connecting, is uh, the story that my brother told me about my niece. I don't know if you guys remember my four-year-old niece, Olivia. That's not her. And uh, uh, one day my brother and my sister-in-law, they were on the way to Target like every good shoemaker family because we live at Target, and when you buy clothes, you call it Target. Right? You guys know that. And so they're, they're shopping, and they get to the, the checkout counter, and Olivia looks at the cashier, and she says, you look like my friend Peyton. And the cashier looked at her and said, well, do you go to this school? She says, yes. Well, Peyton is my son. Now, my brother and they went back to the school and they told the teacher the story. She says, well, this woman, she barely comes to the school. Her dad, the dad usually drops off the son. So Olivia has never seen this woman. But there's something about the cashier's DNA and Peyton's DNA that connects them. So that when Olivia saw the cashier, she could see Peyton. It's the same way with our spiritual connection. That when people encounter us, they should meet him. When they see us, they know who we are connected to. Now, it just doesn't happen this way. It also happens this way. I can't tell you how many times uh, somebody has told me, you know what, you remind me of this guy named Pastor Stacy Foster. Do you know him? I'm like, yeah, that's my spiritual dad. Why? They've never, they've never seen us together, but we say the same kind of words. We teach with the same kind of style. They're like, oh, you guys must be connected. Because the people you're connected to have an influence on you. That's why you check who's connected to you. But I want you to understand that you were meant for connection. God never intended for you to do life on your own, uh, to do life alone. In fact, the mission that God has for your life does not and will not happen in isolation. See, connection in the context of relationship has been God's plan from the start. If you think of the story of creation, God 
looks at creation and, and six times he says he saw that it was good. And on the seventh time, he said it was, uh, it was excellent in every way. That God was like, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. But then he looked at one thing and he said, mm, that's not good. And that was that man would be alone. That God said, it is not good for you to do life by yourself. And he wasn't just talking about male to female. He was talking, the word, uh, it is good, not good for man to be alone. It's not talking about maleness. He's talking about mankind. It's not good for mankind to be alone. And so God says, you know what? I've got a mission for you. You need some help. So for the male, he got him a woman. Bill Cosby said, wow, man. I'm just waiting for that to rest and sit. But even God himself exists in community. He exists uh, in the context of relation. Uh, of relation. In fact, Mark uh, Buber says it like this. He says, in the beginning is relation. Because God is community, and he is connected in that community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if God exists in community, how much more should you and I exist in community? That you and I exist in connection. We should, don't you think? See, some of us, we like to live in the God bubble. You guys know the God bubble? The God bubble is, I just want to spend time with Jesus. I'm just going to sit here and spend time soaking in his presence. I just want to talk to the Father. Because, you know, connecting with God is lovely. It's wonderful. He's perfect. He can be trusted. He's faithful. He's righteous. But people, people are a trip. I'm not talking about y'all, though. You know what I mean? I'm talking about the people you know. I'm not talking about y'all. But people, people can be a trip. And so we're like, well, you know what? I'm just going to spend time with God. And God knew our tendency, so he told John to write this. He says, if anyone says he loves God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So we can't just spend our time with God. God designed us that we would connect with others. And let me just tell you something. Connecting with others is not personality dependent. I cannot live in my natural inclination. And I know you guys don't believe this because you always see me singing or talking. But that is not my natural inclination. I am quiet. Last year we went to the men's retreat and, and Don Zell was like, man, you going to hang out with us? Because I can just go to my room or grab a guitar and just sit there and play and sing to myself. Be stuck in my thoughts. But listen, God didn't design me just to live in my personality. He says, at some point, Norfolk, you've got to allow the fruit of the Spirit to usher and flow from you. That's called self-control and interact with people because I, I have them in your life for a reason. They're there to help you fulfill mission. They're there to celebrate with you. They're there to, you know, sometimes you just need people to have a party with you. 
partying by yourself prolonged is not healthy. I'm just saying. See, connecting with people is how we put into practice our connection with God. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, uh, when they asked him what is the greatest commandment, he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he says, this is a great and the first commandment, but there's a second one just, that's just like it. It's not the same thing, but it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you can't just say, I've got this together. You've got to have this together and that together because uh, having this together is a sign that you got this together. Uh, y'all don't, y'all, some of y'all ain't feeling me. That's okay. So I really want to spend a few moments talking about the power of connection because that's how God intended it to be. Connecting to people is how God has chosen to make us more effective. To make us our best selves. God says your best self doesn't just simply exist in your communion with me. It also happens when you commune with others. In fact, that's why there's such a big emphasis at this church to make sure that you get connected. In other words, you go beyond gathering. This is what we're doing right now. We're all gathering. That's a good place to start. But that's so you can meet some people, so you can connect. So that there's real exchange, that the river of life in me flows in you and you and me. So when kids come in the church, literally, and you go uh, where the, the, the young people are, we actually, we start them off big group, and then they go to small groups. Why? So they get used to connecting. Why? Because if you're going to be your most effective self, your most effective self needs others to grow. See, I think sometimes we, we are expecting from God what he designed for us to get from people. And the reason he does that it's because it's in the context of us sharing our life with people that humility unfolds. That we talk about our thoughts. We talk about our fears. We talk about, you know, we get vulnerable. You, you know, we like to get dip, deep and say, God, I'm just going to bring all my junk to you. Like, okay, uh, go and confess your thoughts to one another that you might be healed. Get real with people. You give them permission to say, oh, me too. So turn your Bibles, Proverbs 27, verse 17. Remember, connection, God has chosen it to make us more effective. And the proverb writer says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. I like the New King James. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so, man, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, the face of his friend, the outlook of his friend, the perspective of his friend, the words of his friend, the presence of his friend. Can you imagine that you have that much impact in the life 
of your friend, that you can actually start changing their words and their phrase. You can actually start changing their outlook on life. Have you ever been around a person and they started using words and all of a sudden you start using those words too? You're like, how did I start using those words? Well, you was probably hanging out with them. Because something happens when we get together and we start rubbing our lives together. See, sometimes we think about uh, this verse that iron sharpens iron, and we think about the friction, and we think about uh, uh, the, the irritation, but really it's about rubbing each other the right way, because there's a right way and a wrong way to sharpen a sword. There's a right way and a wrong way to sharpen a blade. And listen, the whole point of getting sharpened is to make the blade more effective. Have you ever tried to chop something? Have you ever tried to cut a tomato with a dull knife? You know what I'm talking about? You ever try to chop some wood with a dull axe? It means that you have to work harder to get the same result. But God says, listen, if you would just sharpen yourself, if you just get around people, you don't have to work as hard. Then your life is not you dependent. It's called team. You need a team to help you grow. Not only does a sharpened axe work faster, but you're not worn out while working. How many of you worn out in life? You know why? Because you ain't got nobody. You haven't invited anybody into your world. A wise man said it like this. A wise man learns from others' mistakes. A fool learns from his own. So if I can get around somebody else that can, you know, I can glean from, that can sharpen me, that says, hey, Flet, you need to, you need to I can help you be more effective. Have you ever thought about it this way? Have you ever looked at life from this vantage point? And all of a sudden, my countenance changes. Because he's sharpening my countenance. Usually, I was in the, I was the, you know, in the mully grubs. And, I, uh, and then my friend came by and he gave me a word. And I'm like, man, life can be good. I didn't know that. But my relationship encouraged me and it lifted me from my own despair. You need connection. God designed you that way. See, it's in intimate relationships that we are sharpened countenance to countenance, face to face, eyeball to eyeball. That's intimate. I speak words to you. You speak words to me. You speak truth to me. I speak truth to you. See, it's in relationship that we practice truth. And if truth doesn't affect the relationship, then truth was not worked, has not worked its way through us. What are you talking about? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, he says, rather we should speak the truth in love. And then we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. In other words, see, sometimes what you need in your life is just somebody to tell you the truth. Right? And I'm not talking about 
you know, because sometimes in church, well, I'm just going to tell them the truth and love. And so you try to say something mean lovingly. Well, I'm just trying to tell you, get on my nerves. Right? That's not what God's talking about. He's saying, listen, I need to honor you by telling you the real. What's really going on, maybe what's really, what's really affecting our relationship. Because that's, that's how we grow. I mean, listen, husbands, let your wives tell you truth. Thank you, Donzel. The rest of the guy was like, no. Well, here, here, she's telling you anyway, just accept it. And say, you know what? My wife loves me. She wants me to be my best me. So I'm going so to receive her truth. And likewise, wives, listen to the truth of your husbands. He does have some. Because it's the truth in love that causes us to grow into him. Without truth, you don't grow. Without truth, you're still locked up, bound up, and you should know the truth, and it shall set you free. God is like, hey, you, you need to allow people to, to speak into your world, to speak truth into you, because it's that truth that's going to sharpen you and make you more effective. When we speak truth, not in a tone of love, but from a heart of love that transforms. So, y'all, we must connect. We must connect because uh, we need to build one another. We are, our gift in it is designed for us to edify and build one another. We, we must connect so we, we can sharpen one another, so we're more effective. So the things in your life that you need to cut away, we must connect so that we can protect one another. We must connect because we need to provide for one another. We must connect so that we can provoke one another to, to love and to good deeds. That's God's plan. That relationship makes you better. You know, one of my biblical heroes uh, needed connection to fulfill God's mandate on his life. He needed friends to sharpen him. He needed a friend to protect him. And it's King David, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Why don't you pick it up? Let's read it a little bit. Y'all just going to look on the screen. Nobody picked up a Bible. I was like, okay. I was listening for the sound of Bible pages opening. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. He says, now this is the context of David just um, taking off the head of, of Goliath. You, you remember the story? That uh, the, the, the Philistine army was at the valley and the children of Israel were cowering, they were afraid. In fact, Philistines, all he did was send Goliath. And he went and he taunted the children of Israel and they were shaking in their boots. King Saul was shaking in his boots and David was on that Jimmy John run to bring sandwiches to his brother and he notices what's happening, right? 
he notices up. He's like, hey, what's going on? And everybody's afraid. And he's like, what's, what's happening? And he's like, well, what will be given to the man who, you know, slays this giant? And it's like, well, you know what? You and your daddy's house ain't got to pay taxes. I mean, political, right? It's like, and you get the king's daughter in marriage. And so David's like, I'm signing up. And he runs out. And he slays Goliath. And he brings the head back to King Saul. And this is where verse 18 shows up. I mean, chapter 18, verse 1 shows up. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, talking about David, and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Are you getting connection here? And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. Now, can you imagine that Jonathan, in one moment, he sees that his dad is cowering in his boots. He's seen that his dad is afraid, and the next moment he sees the courage of David. And something in Jonathan said, oh my God, I love that about you. Man, I love that man with my own soul. So much to the point that Jonathan was the next uh, uh, in line to be king, and he takes off his kingly robe and says, I'm not it. I'm not the man. You're the man. He gave him his armor, he gave him his sword, and he gave him his belt. And then Saul says, listen, you know what? You're going to be in charge of all the army because you've got skills, bro. But along the way, what happened is, is that now the people are singing about David. David's got his own theme song that Saul has killed his thousand, but David has killed his ten thousand. And the ladies were seeing it. Come on now. Saul was like, I thought I was the man. You're taking all the honeys from me. I'm trying to keep it 100 with you. And he's like, wait a minute, you're taking me, you're stealing my attention. So all of a sudden now, Saul is now enraged about David. At one moment, he loved him, and the next moment, he's like, mm, I'm going to get you. You're stealing all the attention. They're singing more about you than they're singing about me. So flip over a chapter to chapter 19. Verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, and they that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. See, connection protects us from our enemies. The reason that God says you need to be in relationship with somebody is so that you can be protected from your enemies. How many of you know that you don't always know who your enemies are? But the people that you're connected to can tell you who your enemies are. How many know that sometimes they smile in your face? Backstabbers. And you don't know that they're backstabbing. But the person you're connected to does. And like, hey, watch your back. They don't mean you any good. Why? Because connection is there to protect you. 
David had Jonathan, the friend that protected David from his enemies. And I love this, that the relationship was not one way. David was the friend that provoked Jonathan to conquer his enemies. You ever heard that scripture that Jonathan and his armor bearer are going to the garrison and there's an enemy army facing them, but because David slew Goliath, Jonathan said, wait, well, who knows, perhaps the Lord will save us. Who, who prevents him from, from saving with just a few or many? It could just be two of us and we can take this whole army. But who gave him permission? David. Why? Because some exchange happens in relationship. Faith happens and courage happens. When you get around courageous people, you become courageous. When you get around anxious people, you get anxious. But not only does connecting with others protect us from our enemies, uh, pr- uh, connecting with others protects us from ourselves. I don't know if you ever heard of the, the psychological term or, or, or the theory, uh, Jahari's uh, window. And in Jahari's window, the, the theory goes like this. There are some things that, that are in the arena. Everybody knows I know about me and my friends know about me, right? And then there are some things that I don't know about me, but my friend knows about me. It's called a blind spot. How many know that sin creates blind spots? Just one person. (laughs) And you don't see what's really going on in your world, but it's your friend who sees your blind spot that can speak to it. And then there are things that only you know about and your friends don't know about. And then there's the fourth quadrant that only God knows. But it's in connection that blind spots get exposed. This is 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Because connection protects us from ourselves. If you don't know the story, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase it really simply. David got dumb. And when he was supposed to be out fighting battles, he was looking from, from the palace and then checking out the honey. He was like, I want that one for me. And so he had indiscretion. And so he committed adultery, and later on, uh, he committed adultery. Uh, he committed murder. Read the story. If, you, if you're fascinated by reality TV, pick up the book. Second yeah. Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. See, the reason why you need a connection is that you need somebody that God can speak to for you. You need a friend in your world that has a connection that is fully devoted to God so that when you're missing it, they're getting it, right? And so the Lord sent Nathan to David because David was missing it. He had a friend that was connected to God and could get a word from God to him. We each need somebody in in our world like that. Verse 7 says, Then Nathan said 
to David, you are that man. In other words, listen, you're the man that had a whole lot and stole from a man who had a whole, who had a little. You're that man. Verse 13 says, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. But you see that Nathan got David to see himself? Yeah, that's what connections are designed for. So that you have a moment when you have a blind spot, you got somebody that can help you see yourself. I love what Leonard Sweet said. Uh, Leonard Sweet, he wrote a book called The 11 Indispensable Relationships You Can't Live Without. I know you're like, I need 11 of them. <laughs> but uh, he was talking about Nathan, and he says, he didn't take a talk about Nathan in terms of accountability. He talked about Nathan in terms of edibility. So now, who are the people in your life that can edit you? You know what I mean? By edit, they take a red marker and they cross that out, say, you don't need that. That's not good for you. That's extra. You give them permission. You give them access into your life. Why? Remember, iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another to make you more effective? So that's the kind of friend that Nathan was to David. And you get the idea that David had so much respect for Nathan that David named one of his sons Nathan. I was time to dance. Phone came on. And so I have a question for you. Are you connected? Do you have people in your life that you give permission to edit you? Do you have people in your life that can hear from God for you and say, hey, you have a blind spot? Do you give them permission? to speak truth to you so that you can be more effective? Do you? Listen, I don't know if you're like me, but see, I, I, I don't like telling people stuff. And honestly, I don't like stuff being told to me. But I've learned that if I'm going to grow, i got to get people in my world that can tell me hard things. Norflet, your fly is open. Why? Because I want to fulfill mission. I want to fulfill mission. God has a mission for you. And in order for it to happen, you need people in your life. You need to be connected. Are you connected? Let's take it a little further. Who are you connected to that will help you achieve God's mission in your life? Do you have names? Do you have people? It's easy just to say it. But who are the people in your world that spur you on, that provoke you to be better? Connection is God's idea. 
wants you sharp. Ooh, you sharp. I beat you too, mama. Ooh, you sugar sharp. You're sharp. You're effective. Why? Because you gave people permission to speak in your life. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, it didn't feel good. But after you start practicing it, it's really interesting. The word sharpen in the Hebrew is chada, and the word rejoice is chada. And depending on uh, where the inflection is, determines which word it is. So there's, there, there's relationship there. That if we allow people in our world to sharpen us, we'll find out that we have more rejoice, to, we release more joy. We're not in the mully grub so much. Because we're around people that make us better. And so, I want to pray. And uh, before I do that, I, I, I just want to, you know, if, listen, if you're interested in getting connected, I mean, we invite you. You can go outside this door. There's a kiosk out there saying, hey, I'd like to be a part of a small group. I, I would like to even lead a small group. And we, we want to make sure that you get connected because gathering is not enough. You need relationships with people that will challenge you and that will love you and that you can have a party with. You can celebrate all God's goodness with. But maybe you're here and you don't have the first connection right. You're not connecting with God. Listen, God wants to connect with you. He wants to come in and transform your life. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. And so if you want to make that, say that prayer in your heart, God, I want to connect with you. Let us know. We'll have people up here. We're going to pray with you, maybe pray through with you. It'll be the best decision of your life. Because we're going to take communion. I'm going to ask uh, the band to come up. And even when you think about communion, the word com uh, communion comes from the Greek word koinonia. It means fellowship. It's about connection. It's about together we drink and, and we eat remembering the Lord. In fact, Paul said it this way. He says, some of you you're falling asleep, it means you've died too soon, or you're sick because you've drank and ate in an unworthy manner. In other words, you have, you have not considered the body you got ought against your brother and your sister. And God's like, hey, deal with it. Deal with that ought. How can you remember the Lord and keep the ought? That's a God that forgave you with your messy self. He'll forgive you, you should forgive them and get over the ark. So the band's going to play. I want you to think and maybe meditate for a few moments. The question, are you connected? Who are you connected to that can help you fulfill God's mission for your life? And listen, communion here is not about membership. If you're not a member here but you are a follower of Jesus, join and eat at the table.
Father, thank you. God, help us discern the body. God, help us connect with one another. God, remove all pride that keeps us from being honest with people. I'm going to ask the servers to come. Just kind of maintain that attitude of prayer. We'll sing a song, but when I come back, we'll take it all together.